I love Jeremiah 31. Can we, can we, this has got nothing to do with, I don't know where we're going today anyway, so this is just the way, the way of things to come. We just don't follow the Holy Ghost. But in Jeremiah 31, I know you know the verses, but Jeremiah 31 is called the prodigal chapter. Verse 16, chapter 31. This is a promise from God to you today. The thing I like about faith is, he says in Hebrews 11:1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is current. Like God's word, whenever you speak it, it's current. Now. Now, now, now faith is, faith is now. And so this is what he says. He says, thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping. Don't cry over your kids if they're not living right right now. Think about what you were doing as a teenager, God forbid. Somebody prayed you into the kingdom or you wouldn't be here today. Isn't that awesome? Somebody was praying for you. And that's how you're here. Maybe it was a grandmother that never ever saw her prayers answered. We don't know. But I know this, that God is faithful. And he always hears and answers prayer. In 1 John 5, 13 and 14, he said, If we pray anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And his will is his word. And then, he, then in the next verse, he says, And we know that we have the petitions granted that we pray to him. So, so when we ask... In faith, believe in whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believing you receive them, you shall have them. They will be delivered unto you. When? Now. But I don't see it. Faith doesn't have to. If you can see it, you don't need faith for it. You can put your faith on something you can't see because that's how it works. I can't see anyway. Good. Use your faith. He said, she said, Jeremiah said, re, 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 refrain your, your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work shall be rewarded. Come on. Your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they will come again from the land of the enemy. That means they went there. <laughs> you prayed that they wouldn't go there, but they did. So you needed a promise. And so God gave you this one. They will return from the hand of the enemy. <laughs> Verse 17. For there is a hope in your end, says the Lord. You got hope in your end. The world out there is hopeless, but you got all kinds of hope. There's hope in your end, says the Lord. Your children will return again to their own borders. You just go ahead. You can go ahead. You can run around if you want to. Yeah. Somebody said, Pastor, how many are you running on a Sunday? I said, as many as I can.
There's my designated runner over there. Notice the way these feet go left and right, east and west, not north and south like yours. I run like a duck and it's very dangerous. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's go to the book of Joshua, where we were last Sunday. Curb your enthusiasm. Don't want you to get too excited, you might hurt something. No. <laughs> what happened in church? I got so excited. <laughs> I'm telling you, if we knew how much God loved us, we'd all just hug each other and giggle. Yeah. It's so caught up in what's going on in the world. So, but anyway, are you in Joshua chapter 3? Because when you're there, I'll remind you of Ephesians 1 and verse 3, which says that you've already been blessed with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. And then the next verse, verse 4, says that he chose you in him. Some of you need to put a big circle around it. He chose you in him before the foundation of the world. Before you ever thought of a twinkle in your father's eye, God had planned you to be on this planet on October the 25th, 2020. He chose you from before the foundation of the world, and he has a destiny for you, a destination for you. I was reading a statistic. Actually, Rick Renner was te teaching on pastor statistics the other day. And he said, every month, 250 pastors are quitting the ministry. And only one in 10 of them will fulfill their, 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 their calling and go to the end of the day. And I thought, well, the reason for that would be popularity. They don't like me. I, I, can I just settle this with you right now without sounding saucy? I don't need you to like me. I need to fulfill the calling on my life. And I can do it whether there's four people here or 400 people or 4,000 people. That doesn't change anything. What, it, what, what matters is, am I doing what he called me to do? And, and that, and, but it's the same thing with you. I was saying to Pastor Paul, I said, you know... Um, uh, if the, can you imagine if the pastor didn't show up on a Sunday? Well, during the pandemic, it's already happened everywhere, but I mean, pastor's not showing up. At the, and some of them are enjoying it so much they don't want to come back, I think. But that's, yeah, but that's not fulfilling the call. See, it's, about, it's not about popularity or praise or any of those. It's about purpose. Your purpose. What is your purpose? Why were you created? You were created on purpose. And so I thought, well, if the pastor didn't show up and didn't bother calling, everybody would be so upset. But don't you think maybe that if, if, if I'm supposed to be here, and maybe some of you that are watching by live stream right now, don't turn me off. I'm just telling you the truth. They're supposed to be here. But during the pandemic, it got real easy just to slide in there on the coach or go visit a friend. And now you don't wouldn't want to admit it, but you're backsliding, like you, you just drifted away. And really, really, when when you have a purpose and a calling on your life, and and whether you whether you know it or not, we need you here. 
you have a supply of the Spirit, and it's and you you're put in a church for it to develop. We got people out there now that don't believe they have to go to church. Well, the church is His body. He tells us in Ephesians chapter one, and the fullness of Him fills us all in all. Can you imagine a part of your body laying over in the corner, a finger by itself? Well, what's what's my purpose? Well, come and find out. Come and find out. Maybe your purpose right now is to just to drink some milk and grow up a little bit and enjoy the presence of God. Maybe that, but I guarantee you that you have something that I need and I have something that you need. And it's, that's what it's all about, being a part of the, the body of Christ. And, and to ignore that is to ignore a lot of Scripture, right? And, and, and again, if you want fulfillment in your life, the only way to get fulfillment, real fulfillment in your life, is to do things God's way. And, you know, he says, he says things like in, in, John, uh, in John 16 and verse 30, 31, he says, if you'll continue in my word, it's, this is so personal. If you'll continue in my word, you'll be my disciple. You'll be my disciplined one. You'll be, you know, you'll be in that inner circle with me. If you continue in my word, you'll be in, in, he says, you'll be my disciple indeed. And then he says, and not only that, I can promise you something that not a religion in the world can promise you. I can promise you that you can know the truth and that the truth can make you free. And the more truth you have, the freer you become. So if you get to church on a Sunday and maybe occasionally on a Thursday and get a little bit of truth and then you find your Bible a couple of times during the week, that's not a lot of truth happening. If you go to church twice a week, you're there 104 hours a week of teaching, right? Or, or a year, rather. And how many of you know, you, if, if, if you treated your... That's why Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God... He's saying, I notice you feed yourself three times a day, sometimes four or five. I notice you can take care of that. Why? Because it shows up. No, but so does the word. Like whenever you ask Ariel to pray, what you're going to get is the word. It's coming, man. Because Why? Because she put it in there. She didn't sit around and say, I better memorize something in case Pastor Gary asked me to pray over the offering. Not at all. She, it, She's meditating God's word day and night and making her way prosperous. Does she have struggles? Well, yeah. You're going to have those one way or the other. You might as well have the word of God going in you and coming out of you and making you strong, right? In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. See, that's another thing about praise and worship. Cheer yourself up. Cheer yourself up. Turn to somebody and say, you really need to cheer up. So I can safely say that you're here today and God chose you in him before the foundation of the world because it's not Gary saying it, it was God through the Apostle Paul. Then he said something else pretty astounding over in Romans eleven twenty nine. He said the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't change his mind. So that those 250 pastors that quit last month, I understand things are tough out there. For a pastor, it's it's different now. You see, when I was when I was pastoring twenty five years ago or twenty years ago, I was the pastor of the church. 
Now, uh, through the internet, Joel Osteen's pastoring some, Bill Johnson's pastoring others, Keith Moore's pastoring other people, and, and, and I'm not saying that's wrong. It's great. We've got a wealth of information out there, but you're still only going to have one pastor. You only have one. And, and you might not like what he says all the time, and you might disagree. And you can also do that without being disagreeable. I find a lot of times I disagreed with some things that Kenneth E. Hagin said until I grew up. You know, back in 1992, when I knew it all, I started the church. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I told John Arnott he was wrong. I've been eternal blessing. Me. Know it all. 92, first year of the church. John Arnott, eternal blessing. You may have heard of him. Three or four years ago, I had to call him up and apologize to him. I said, John, you probably don't remember me, but I need to ease my conscience here. <laughs> I'm the guy. He didn't remember. But I told him, I said, you know, some of the things that happened there, I just did not understand. He said, neither did I. Some of the things that happened there, I couldn't explain. I said, no, you know, he said, neither could I. So I said, I can only see some of the fruit that came out there, like Bill Johnson and Heidi Baker and people like that. But some of the stuff that was going on there was, to me, was like, but if you're going to have a move of the Spirit of God, what are signs and wonders? Something that you can explain? Something that you can find in the Word and say, well, there, I got chapter and verse on it? Some of those things are just out there. What are you supposed to do? Don't get critical. Don't think you're smarter than the man that's heading up the movement. What's this got to do with it? Nothing. Okay, Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So what God put a call on your life, he didn't change your mind. You may have changed your mind about him, but he'll never change. He'll never, he'll never change his mind about you. What does Isaiah 46.10 say? Why is that popping? Why is that popping like popcorn here? Oh, yeah. Okay. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. He said, remember what I did in the past? This, we could call this the process, couldn't we? Because there is a process when you're moving toward your destiny. And, and again, all that's required is your death so that you can have a burial and a resurrection. That's water baptism. That's communion. He's saying, you know, Paul the Apostle saying, I, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live by in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, he said, he said little I moved out and big Christ moved in. And so now I'm yielding the right away to him. We can say it this way. Well, here in verse 9, he says, remember the former things for I am God. There's no one else like me. Verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. And we've got proof here as we get into Joshua chapter three, we can find out that a whole generation had to die in order for God's promise to be fulfilled, but it wasn't his will. His will was that they would go in and possess the promised land. 
The promised land, he gave them examples. When they came out in Numbers chapter 12, Numbers chapter 13, they came out, is it Numbers 12 or 13? Or both of those? I called it the grasshopper complex. They, they saw people in the land that were more talented and, and more gifted than they were, and they said, we saw the giants in the land and we were grasshoppers in our own sight. And I wrote in my margin, if you never kill the grasshopper, you'll never kill the giant in your life. The grasshopper is you thinking you're inferior to anybody else. The grasshopper is you thinking that God made some junk when he made you. You got to kill that grasshopper and then you can go kill the giant. But they wouldn't do it, even though Joshua and Caleb said, was Ariel and Caleb, I think, was, were there? <laughs> and they said, they said, come on, let's possess the land at once. These people are bread for us. In other words, we'll eat their lunch. They came out of that promised land. They came out carrying a cluster of grapes between a, on a pole, and the grapes were as big as grapefruit. That place was like the Garden of Eden back in the day. That place was lush and rich. And God said, this is the, it's a land overflowing with milk and honey, and I've given it to you. Well, he would say this to you today. I've given you 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. I've given you exceeding great and precious promises that you can partake of my divine nature and escape, 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 to, escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. He said, I've given it all to you. He didn't say, I'm going to give it to you if you ask me. He said, I've already given it to you. He said, grace and peace will be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of him who's called you unto glory and virtue. He said, I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Life is your physical life and godliness is your spiritual life. He said, I've already given it all to you. Now go in and possess it. But if you're out there saying, I'm a grasshopper in my own sight. I'm inferior. I don't have enough education. I got, was born on the wrong side of the tracks. It was this, it was that, you know, and start putting limits. The only limit that you have on you is self-imposed. You're created in the image and the likeness of God. And he said, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible to him that believeth." it. It's time to get your believer working. Come on, Hebrews, Hebrews 4, uh, 1 and 2, we read that the gospel, the good news. Gospel means good news if you're ever confused about what it means. Gospel means good news. Matter of fact, it means good news from the battlefield. Good news from the battlefield means you won. He said the gospel was preached unto them as well as it was unto us, but it didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. They, did, they wouldn't believe even when God was showing them grape, grapefruit-sized grapes for evidence. He, he, it was show and tell. God says, look, look, I want you to see. I want you to see what's available for you. But they wouldn't do it. And so here we are in Joshua chapter 3, 40 years later. Forty years, Caleb and Ariel had to sit with all those people full of unbelief. They, Ariel said, Caleb, we're not quitting. But we might have to wait till all these people die off before we ever get what God <laughs> promises to do. Just bringing it into a modern vernacular, it's okay, it's okay. There are people of faith too, so they qualify. Right? They've had some giants to kill and will have yeah. killed more. So, but now they're coming. Now they're now they're coming up to. Well, no, we need to read Isaiah forty three eighteen before we get into Joshua chapter three. Anybody got a roast in the oven? 
burnt offering today because I get a long service. No, this will help you. If you get a hold of this, this will help you. And if you want to be, want God to be faithful, make sure you are. Make sure it's not my will, but thine be done. Don't be casual with God and have him be casual with you. Serious with God. I know he's Papa God and we love Daddy and all that. But he's also the creator of the universe and he deserves my highest respect at all times. So I said Isaiah 43, didn't I? Well, we, we know what the verses say. That's where he's telling you to forget what's behind. A second, I'll get it over here. Yeah, remember not the former. So remember not would be, uh, uh, I'm sure other translations would say, forget about it. Turn to somebody and say, forget about it. Just forget about it. You can't go back and fix it anyway. Even God can't fix yesterday. Forget about it. Why? Because if I don't forget about it, I won't get the fresh revelation. If I don't forget about it, I won't get what he has for me now. I'll be going, what if? And what if I had have done this differently? Or what if? You know, forget all that. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Everybody say now. Now. Now it'll spring forth. I will know it. I will flow with it. I'm pressing for the new, and I'm not ever going to look back. I'm pressing for the new. I know it, and I flow with it. Amen. Okay, so now we're back in Joshua chapter 3. I actually need to read chapter 2 just a little bit. Because Joshua and Caleb were derailed for a little while. But the devil couldn't stop them. Why? Because he can't stop faith. He cannot stop. Get a hold of that. Faith is the most powerful force in the universe. And he's given on that. Romans 12, 3 says he's given unto each one of us the measure of faith. You've got the measure of faith. Just like I went to the gym. I went to the gym because I had the measure of muscles. But I started working them out to the point where now I can't even swim anymore because, because I built so much calcium in my legs and stuff that, that if I stop swimming, I sink. Matter of fact, I entertain, I've been entertaining kids for years because I can walk out into the swim pool and walk right out of sight and go sit down. People do the, 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 the dead man's float. I, I do it and I go boom and hit the bottom of the pool. And I had a, and I remember calling a friend and, and saying, hey, hey, Blackie, I, I, I'm having a hard time swimming now. He said, what do you want to do, swim or lift weights? I said, well, I want to lift weights. So, so I had to sacrifice the swimming. What's the point of that with this message? How did I end up on that? Can somebody help me? Nobody's going to help me. He's going to leave me standing here by myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you, Jordy. Somebody was listening. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, whatever you de- but whatever you develop in your life will grow. 
You know, I can develop my faith. I know Romans 4, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I don't have any faith, I can go get some anytime at all. But the more that I develop my faith, the more I can be like Caleb and Ariel. And it just doesn't matter what's going on around me. You know, I'm going through, I'm going to get what God has promised me. The thing I loved about Caleb was he was, he was 85 years old when he got to the mountain that he pulled those grapes down from. And he said, he said, this is what he said. He said, I'm 85 years old. And then he spit. And he said, I'm just as strong today as I was when I was 40. And now, Joshua, you know, give me my mountain. And he went and, 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 and then he, and the mountain was full of giants or people that were in the natural superior to him. And he couldn't wait to get there to take them down. And then his daughter comes along. The funniest story is his daughter. <laughs> Don't you love his daughter? No, no, the Bible says that Jesus was the conqueror and then we're more than conquerors. We're like that daughter. You know, she, the Bible says she came up and ride, rode up alongside her, her father and slipped down off the saddle and said, Hey, Dad, where's my inheritance? I want those plains over there and that nice spring water and all that. And he gave it to her. You have not because you ask not. If you don't have it, it's because you ask amiss. I'm telling you. God has everything that you need to enjoy your life. He said, I've freely given you all things to enjoy. He's not El Chipo. He's El Shaddai. He's a giver for God's love that he gave. He didn't know how to do anything else but give. He's a giver. He's generous too. So, so... But look at verse 13 of chapter um, 2. Well, we, we really should start at verse. This is talking about Rahab the harlot, Rahab the hooker, Rahab the whore, for those of you that can't figure out what those other two words were. She, and I'm, I'm not saying that to be gross, I'm saying that to jar your thinking, that she was a prostitute and she hid two of the spies that came in to spy out the land. And then she said, when you come back, remember me and my family. And of course, her and her family got saved. And matter of fact, Rahab went on to be Mary Selman, one of the spies. And Selman begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. So she got into the lineage of Jesus Christ, and she started out worse than most people as far as struggling with issues of life. So, but look at this. Verse nine, verse ten says, "For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, and when you came out of Egypt, and when were the two kings of the Amorites, Sihon and Og, the king of Bashan, were utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, He is God of heaven above and God of earth beneath." So you think that, you know, when God said, fear not, little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You think that the world is not afraid of you out there? I tell you right now, the devils are. The devils that are controlling the people out there are afraid of you. They're afraid that you'll find out who you really are and take authority and begin to change your world. Okay, so chapter three, that's where we're trying to get to. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) And Joshua rose up early in the morning. 
and removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after those days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the, uh, the, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, you shall remove yourself from this place and go after it. And again, 2,000 cubits, it's significant. I think it's 2,000 years after that that Jesus came, and 2,000 years later that he's coming again. And so I think it's a very significant number right there. Uh, but then he says, then he says, I love what he says here. You have not passed, in the last part of verse 4, you have not passed this way before. And that's kind of like where the church is in one sense. Like we've read Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4, and through the book of Acts, and we've seen, you know, they came from all the cities around about where we were ministering, bringing the sick, and those were vexable, unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. Like, like what about that? Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may preach your word, stretch forth your hand to heal, let signs and wonders be done by the name of the Holy One, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were filled fresh with the Holy Ghost. And with great power he gave witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon us all. That's how the church was birthed. But now, according to Joel 2, beginning in verse 23 and through the end of the chapter, he said, I'm pouring out my spirit, the early rain and the latter rain, both at the same time. So we're about to go somewhere where the church has never been before. So what is my responsibility? He's going to tell me. Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves. In other words, it's time to set yourself apart for something greater, a greater mission. It's time to set yourself apart. And in order to set yourself apart, that means I have to let go of some things that I've been set upon. Like there's going to be a new dedication required. There's got to be a new commitment required in my life. Again, you keep doing what you've always done. You keep getting what you've always got. And so what might it be? I don't know. I don't know what it would be for you. I, I, I can figure out what it would be for me. I don't know what it would be for you. But, but again, it, it, it's like when you think of extraordinary, think about it this way, a little extra on your ordinary. Don't think world, because I find world-changing things that we decide upon on a Sunday morning. That's it, I'm going to pray four hours a day from now on. No, you won't make it 20 minutes. And then you get discouraged, you won't pray at all. I'm not pointing at, looking at anybody in particular. I'm just saying when we set lofty goals, we need to take bite size. you know. If you bite off more than you can chew, chew as hard as you can, that's all. Just, just, just. Say, God, I'm, I, I, it's, it's almost like, because I can create hunger. I can tell you about this roast that I smoked in my smoker yesterday for three and a half hours in hickory wood smoke. And uh, you cut it and it falls on the plate. And then you go to cut it with your knife, but you could almost do it with a fork. And then you taste it. Uh, that's what preaching is supposed to do. That's preaching is like the grapes that they brought out of the out of the promised land. 
I'm showing you the grapes. I'm showing you your potential. And hopefully it'll create an appetite in you to say, I'm going to change some things. I'm going to make some adjustments. I'm going to, but, what, what, but why does he want to do that? Let's read the rest of the verse. Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So, you know, so what do I have to do, God? He said, I just told you, just separate yourself. You know, I have sanctified you. Uh, Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, Jesus has been made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So in a sense, I've already been separated. I've been separated by the new birth. And so now my next deal is I need to separate myself by identification, I would think, identifying with him. So, you know, when I read that, uh, that, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, I know that he's not talking about suffering the cross because I was crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I understand that. So the suffering is him laying down his life for his generation. Could it be that he would want me to lay down my life for, for, for my generation? How will I do that? By praying over them, speaking the word of God over your country, over your politicians, over your leaders, by being faithful to a local church and getting ourselves to a place where we're in one accord in one place. And when they were all in one accord in one place, there came that sound. <laughs> no, no, when they were all in one accord in one place, there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind and filled the place where they were sitting and spilling water all over the pulpit. <laughs> what happened? What, what happened? Suddenly, because they got in unity together, they weren't in union together. They were in unity together. I'm not growing a beard like Alex. It's too late for me. But I love him and he loves me. Different walks of life, totally. Doesn't matter. When we see each other, we grin. So glad to see you. Pick up where we left off. Never, never hung out together, none of that stuff. It's just family. Be a part of the family. Join the family. Join the body of Christ. Don't be a cancerous cell left off somewhere by yourself. Be plugged in. Yeah, but I don't like some people. That's why you need them. They will rub the rough edges off of you. No, my Bible says I'm to love my neighbor as myself. So you need to get around some of those people that annoy you. Until they don't anymore. I'm not saying seek them out and go hang out with them. I'm not, I'm not like that either. <laughs> He loves me. He loves you. Hallelujah. I'm so glad the pastor's not going to go on and on today, aren't you? I need you. You need me. We need each other. You see, because even when he said that, he said, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the, to give you the kingdom. His kingdom is not meat nor drink, the Bible says. It's not, not a ritual, and it's not something physical or tangible that way, but he said it's righteousness, 
peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And if we get this, 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 get a church, I don't care how big the church is, you get a group of people, there was 120 in the upper room, but that was significant too. 120 times 50 jubilee years is 6,000 years. So what he's showing you in the upper room is he's saying, I'm going to do this again. And when he did it the first time, 3,000 people got saved in one city in one day. 5,000 by the end of the week. Churches would actually have to work together instead of competing with one another. Can you imagine that? I got too many. Can you take some? That's God's will. You know, we're not McDonald's and Burger King. We're the kingdom of God. Church across the street's not my competition. They're my brothers and my sisters. And I pray for their success. Hallelujah. So, if we get this many people on the same page, one accord, one place, then we can expect a suddenly. No, no, but there are people There are people here, you've been believing God for things for two years, three years, five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. How about a suddenly, like the popcorn in the microwave? How about the popcorn in the microwave? You put the popcorn in the microwave. Put it in there, and you look in the window, and the bag is flat. Nothing's happening. And you wait a minute. Football game is on. One minute, nothing happens. Two minutes, nothing happens. I might have missed the touchdown. <laughs> that sounds like flesh, doesn't it? Well, it's a little bit of flesh. <laughs> Two and a half minutes, you hear pop. Pop, pop, pop. That's what God's going to do in, in your life. Uh, the bag may be flat right now, but I'm telling you, make sure your microwave is not on defrost. Make sure it's got the heat coming. If it's on defrost, you'll stare there all day and say, God, why hasn't anything happened in my life? He said, you're on defrost. I told you you needed to be hot. Well, God, make me hot. He said, I won't make you hot. You make yourself hot. I gave you the, I gave you the match. I gave you the gasoline. I gave you the word of God in the Holy Ghost. You know, lots of times people, you ask people, are you full of the Holy Ghost? Yeah. No, no, you were. You got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And you prayed in other tongues once or twice. But are you full of the Holy Ghost? When I go to the gas station, I put the nozzle in and I keep it going until it stops. Now I'm full of gas. No. no. <laughs> Gasoline, petrol. When you live where I live, you need to keep it full. No, you make sure it's full. When you live in Middle Muscadabra, where we live, you make sure your gas tank is full before you leave town. And that you use the bathroom before you go as well. No, but take that over into the Word of God. Take it. I live in a country that is backslidden, lost as a goose in a hailstorm. I got a leader that they call Mr. Socks or Mr. Dress Up, and he doesn't know a clue about what he's doing. And I'm supposed to pray for him because the Bible says to pray for those that are in authority over you. So the only prayer I can pray for him is God, please remove him. I think it must be time to 
I tell you, keep your tank full. How do I get full of the Holy Ghost? But ye, beloved, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourself in the love of God. You can be as full as you want to be. Don't pray in tongues for an hour. I tell you right now, I don't care what kind of discouraging things have been coming against you. Go pray in the Holy Ghost for an hour and things will change. Sometimes it only takes five minutes. Sometimes you have to press. Sometimes you have to push, but you can do it. And uh, like I told another fellow the other day, your breakdown and your breakthrough are the exact same place. Your breakdown and your breakthrough are at the exact same location. It's what you do now. They kept doing the same thing and walked around their blessing for 40 years and never went in and got it. Can you imagine being that close to the promises of God and never getting them? I see them in church. I've been in church long enough to see that in people's lives already. Being Christians for 20, 30 years and got nothing happening. Because, because God is not faithful? No, because John, James 1.22, you've you got you to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Because if you don't do it, you deceive. You're, who do you deceive? Yourself. And then you cry and say, God, why wouldn't you? God's saying, hey, I did. You didn't. And that's another thing to remember as we close for the final closing. Is this closing number two or three? It's never God. He is for you. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.